Um, and then we will be in Philippians chapter 1 and chapter 3, and we will also touch base over in Acts chapter 16. Um, so I think we will start with, we will go ahead and we will We will start with Acts chapter 16. So if you could turn there. And we will look at verse 35. And right. So it says, And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, And the magistrates have sent to you let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, I, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And then if you could turn over to the book of Philippians. And we will start in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you and always in every prayer of mine for you, all making request with joy for the fellowship and the gospel from the day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And then we will go and look at Luke. In Luke chapter 19, verse 11, it says, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said, that, and he said therefore, a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the saints of the Church of Omaha. Thank you for this time that we can come together. I ask you to speak to us, speak into our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Luke chapter 19, uh, this story here, I'm not going to trot down through every detail today of verses 11 down through 27, um, but this is the story where it talks about uh, the talents and how in this parable, the nobleman, he went out to, um, he, he left, he went to a far country, um, and, uh, uh, and, while, and what, before he left... He went ahead and he said, hey, here's ten talents and here's five talents. And he, and he passed out and he, and, and he gave it. And, and one doubled his talents and the next guy doubled his talents and, and the last guy buried his in the ground and when the king came back, he was like, hey, wait a second, what did you do with this? So I'm not going to delve into to all those details. We could spend the entire time just looking at that and, and discussing the talents and investing in the kingdom. And, and that could be our topic for today. But I do want to talk to you about he will complete what he started. He will complete what he started. Jesus will complete what he starts. Because the king does come back. And this parable I think is so very fitting because God came to earth. God put on humanity. And you know, I say God came to earth and and, and that's very biblical. But God made the earth. This was, uh, the Garden of Eden was a place where 
where they would worship and they connected with God in relationship. And, and it was, uh, I've heard it phrased as an apartment on earth. God's everywhere. But he would come and he would dwell and he would connect with them. And so the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But when we talk about how God came to earth, he, he came into our corrupt humanity in, in our sinful state and in the conditions of the world that's a mess around us. And, and it's so much like Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and void and darkness were upon the face of the deep. It feels like that. But then the Spirit of God began to move, to hover on the waters. Oh, that's what happened when God begins to manifest Himself and to work in the earth. He, he comes into our situation, into our darkness, and into our chaos. And He begins to hover. He begins to, to, to move like a bird flutters the wings over the, over the waters. The waters of chaos. And so, it says here, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country for, to, to, to receive himself a kingdom. Jesus came. He lived, he died, and he rose again. And he was taken up out of their sight. Why? So he could complete the mission. Because his intention was to, to put himself into all of us. And through this process of you living Him out here, you are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are spreading salvation to this world. And you have a job to do. And He is coming back. And He will complete what He has started. And we will return to that here in just a little bit, but when we flip over here to the book of Philippians, in the book of Philippians, we see Paul writing to the church of Philippi, and um, the Wednesday night that we had conference, there's just a few people here, and uh, some of you would remember that I came to you out of this book of Philippians and out of this passage in the book of Acts, but in that time, we were focused on how prayer was made, and, and in every occasion when, when uh, Paul showed up, Prayer was made, and it was a moving of the Spirit in all cases, and then that Paul called on them to pray. And so we highlighted that, that part of we need to have prayer and a moving of the Spirit. But I'd like to highlight some other points here about how he will complete what he has started and God's completion. So Paul is writing to the Philippians, and he's telling them his gratefulness and he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. And so, um, he's reaching out to them. And when Paul writes this letter, he's actually writing it from an Ephesian jail. And, and some would, I've told you this before, would say, hey, we think maybe it was a Roman jail. I really do think it was a, a, a jail in Ephesus. It makes sense. Um, and he's writing over to them and in, in verse 5 here, um, he says, for, the fellow, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And, and he's reaching out, and I find it fascinating, and I'll probably bring it up many, almost every time I touch these books, that, that Paul is setting in some of the worst conditions possible, writing encouraging letters. He did it with Philemon. 
It's like, hey, let me tell you. And Paul understood, and he got a grasp of. Paul, when you look into some of his writings, and, and it was all inspired scripture, but you can see the things that he would go through. And that's encouraging to see other brothers in Christ that they went through struggles. And so Paul, in some of his darkest moments, ended up seeing the cross in a greater light and a greater understanding. And so he, 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 but he reaches out and he writes, and see, the church of Philippi had sent him an offering, and the church of Philippi had been there to, to support him, and, and, the, and he had run into trouble in Philippi. Why? That's the place where at midnight they sang praises, they were thrown into prison. Um, and we'll visit when, in that passage just a little bit here, but they'd gone, and, and Paul is journeying through, and somebody's crying out after, and this lady is, and she's got a devil in her. And finally he's like, enough of this. And he tells the devil to get out. And, and so because he messed with how they wanted life to be, they threw him in jail. There's trouble. And then eventually, we just read the passage, but they said, hey, they wanted him to leave. Get out of here. And so he moves on, but he reaches back to the church. There were people that remained in the middle of the troubled world while Paul went on to the next city. And you live in your communities and in your schools. And the man of Gadarene, what did, what did Jesus tell him? He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to go everywhere. There was a lot of disciples following Jesus. And those disciples went through struggles too. And those disciples faced persecution as well. But Jesus asked the man of Gadarene, the demoniac, to stay and be a witness. Somebody has to stay. Now, I'm not advocating you that are homeschooling, that you, leave your, that you put your kids in public school. And I have, would be lying if I said we haven't sat and discussed maybe about homeschooling our kids different times. But there is one thing that I am aware of, that my children, and I'm not trying to burn them, I don't mean that, but they are a light in that school. And that school needs a light. Your neighborhood needs a light. Some of you are like, hey, I would really like to get a new house. You know, I, I got a new house. I, I understand that. And, and when God makes that happen, you know, thank you, Jesus. But while you're planted in that spot, be Jesus. Be a light. When struggle comes your way and you say, man, I wish I could escape this struggle. Maybe at some point he'll say it's time to move on. But while you're there... Be Jesus. Be Jesus. And so the church in Philippi, they, weren't, they didn't escape struggle and suffering. But he's writing from a prison and he's reaching out to them. And he's, he's thankful for them. And he says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident. That fellowship right there, if you were to look at the NIV, um, you would see in, in some other translations that it would say partnership. And that, that kind of stuck out to me, jumped out to me a little bit. Brother Keith, we're partners in this. And, uh, and as you all know, I've mentioned it like every service, I was in Puerto Rico. But I called Brother Keith up one night and and we had, what, it seemed like this two-hour conversation. I don't know. It went late. I was like, Brother Keith, i got to be at the job site like at 6 in the morning your time or 5.30 in the morning your time. <laughs> and uh, it, it was getting pretty late. I don't know if it hit midnight yet. But, um, but yeah, it was, 
we would begin to pray. God began to move. He was on his end, and he's praying in tongues. And I'm on my end, and I'm praying in tongues. And the scripture's just flowing, and God's moving. And it was an exciting night. And while Paul didn't have a cell phone to call somebody up, they were partners. And when there's a missionary out there, and you send funding, and you give prayers, and the missionaries come, and they stand on this platform, and they call it a PIM, Partners of Mission. But that's not just something that they're saying. We are partners in this work. And when you're reaching somebody in your community, and I'm reaching somebody over here, and when I'm praying and talking to my family, and I'm praying for your situation, we're partners in this. And we, we, we're in fellowship. We're working together. And what happens to you matters to me. And what happens to me needs to matter to you. And even if you don't know all the details, and sometimes you just don't even know, the Spirit is the same Spirit, and it's working. And we're partners in this. They were partners I mentioned in funding. In verse 19, 119, he talks about their prayer. See, we see that Paul had prayed for them, but he says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. They were partners. Working together. Verse 29, chapter 1, he says, For unto you is given on behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. The Philippians' suffering didn't necessarily look like Paul's suffering, but they still went through struggle. In Church of North America, I know that you look over at some of these other countries. We'll take China. That's an easy one to pick, right? The underground church. The one that, quote, doesn't exist, right? They, uh, you go to North Korea. Bibles have to go back from World War II. How do you get word into North Korea? And you see the struggling and the suffering. And so I don't like to sit here in North America and say, Oh, I know what it's like to suffer. It's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to put ourselves in the same bucket but you go through suffering and struggle and pressure. And some of your pressure is to conform and be okay and to be at ease and to have, be increased with goods and have need of nothing and to participate and, and accept ideologies. And, and, and then when you don't, you, you go through a level of pressure and suffering. So look at those like Paul that are sitting in prison who, who are there and because of it, the gospel is being spread. And be encouraged in whatever your situation is to get some backbone to say, hey, they took a stand and the gospel still lives and thrives and grows and I'm going to take a stand here and I'm going to deal with my suffering and my situations. Don't pretend that there isn't pressure on you. And don't pretend that, that you, you say, well, man, I'm not going through suffering. Then why are you tired every day? Why are you exhausted? Why are you wore out? And why are you down if you're not being buffeted and things aren't coming against you? But you need to lean into Christ Jesus. Just like Paul was leaning to in prison. Just like our brothers and sisters around the world lean into it. So you need to lean in Him. So we, we also go through suffering. It's through suffering. Just as Paul was reaching out, so you need to reach out and, and love. We're going to touch on love here just a little bit more. 
love. So partners in this gospel. Partners. But then he says to them, and there's a comma there, making all, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Semicolon. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you flip ahead over to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, he writes here, and he's talking about people who have forsaken the gospel. But then in the King James Version, and you know what? I copied over my NIV twice, it looks like. But 3 verse 20 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we say our conversation here, and that makes me think of a discussion. Even though I've told you before that conversation is all in telling. But here it'd be maybe a bit more revealing or to be able to see it in a few translations bring it out this way, one of them being the NIV, but it says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. What does that mean? Does it mean that there's the cloud city someplace far out there and you're like, I'm a citizen of that place? and I don't belong here, and I'm going to get me on a spaceship, and I'm going to out of here. No, we know the Trump's going to blow, and we're going to be taken out of here. Does that, is that all that that means there? Or when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven being now, and being here, and being hidden, and that it's not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom isn't just some far off idea that I've got to just put up with it here and now and I'm in this world. You see, being in this world means this world's ideologies, this world's way of doing business, the peer pressures of this world, the, the, the lulling you to sleep part of this world. The, the, you just need to live this way. But you've already been called to come out of this world and that doesn't mean that you wait till, you're, to, till you, the time of your death and you're like, I'm going home. No, that's not what that means. That means right now you can't live the way the world lives. You don't get to cuss out the cashier. Alright? You don't get to be a jerk to people. I don't get to do that. And when you do, you need to apologize. And sometimes you don't get an opportunity to apologize. You need to change. You don't get to wear every bit of article of clothing that's at the, the store. Trust me, nobody should. It's summertime. And people that want to make sure they keep themselves healthy and not get cancer and they work outside, they cover up. That's a great idea. Some people don't get that. It's summertime. That's meant to cover up. Be protected from the sun. 
not be burned by it. Isn't that fitting? <laughs> uh, speaking of clothes, I guess fitting, right? But, um, you know, uh, you go out there and you say, man, it's hot out here. We need to take these clothes off and you get burned, <laughs> right? It's almost like <laughs> you smile a little bit, right? Yeah, I've, I've had some terrible sunburns. One time in my life, one time ever, I thought I could try this massage thing and I had a sunburn. That's the last time. <laughs> Never again. Never again. So I've been burned. Sometimes you go try and you, do th- you try things in life. You delve into sin. You go places you shouldn't go. And then you get burned. You need to be thankful for that. You need to be thankful. But he tells them, Your citiz- but our citizenship is in heaven. And if you can see right now, you see, Jesus is establishing a kingdom. And it's hidden right now. But it's going to be revealed. And we started out there in the book of Luke. And our king, he went off to complete his kingship. To, to get everything set in an order. And he's coming back. You see, we're in Philippi here. And Philippi was a colony of Rome. And what did that look like? Not necessarily the way they talk about colonies today and in how that this country here wasn't, uh, wasn't the part of the British government, and yet they set up a colony. No, it's not like that at all. This was all part of Rome's domain. And Rome came in to bring liberty and to bring peace and to, to, to help everybody out. And so when Rome came and set up a colony, they were saying, I'm taking part of Rome, the ideologies, the way of doing business, and all that, and I am transferring that to here as well. And so when they conquered the city there uh, of Philippi, they left people there. There were soldiers there. And they said, this is your property. Go ahead. You, you do well. You, you, uh, um, you, you set up shop here. And, and you're not here temporarily. You're a citizen. And this is Rome's domain. And so they were telling them, you're going to be Rome here. You're a Roman And so if somebody said, I'm a citizen of Rome, they weren't saying, let me trot off to the city of Rome over there, and and I'm just here abiding my time, but I don't belong right here. What they were saying is, hey, this is Rome's domain. So we talk about this when we talk about embassies. And, And so if you went to an embassy in another country, we would say, this piece of land right here is the U.S. property. And when you step on it, you have all the rights and authorities. So while we still live in this flesh, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, this is His domain. And the Spirit of this world wants you to step into it and live its way. But you need to live the kingdom way. And when you say, I'm a citizen... Uh, that, that's what happened. When, they, when those guys in Philippi came and they went and said, hey, we can release him from prison and then they tell him to leave now. And he says, whoa, whoa, we're citizens of Rome. What Paul was saying is, right here in this place, we have rights and authorities. We have greater rights and authorities and what you did, you are not allowed to do by, the, by in this case, they would have been referencing Caesar. Well, church, hear me. I know you're in this body. And I know that you live in this corrupt flesh. And I know you go through struggles and trials and situations. But you have rights and authority. Because you're in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it will be revealed. 
And our King is coming back. And He is going to catch us up. And we'll be transformed. And everything will be changed. But I'm still in His kingdom. And so I'm not going to live this way over here. I am making up my mind. God, I will need you to complete in me your work. Because I'm a citizen of your kingdom. And you have rights here. And you have domain. And you want me to do a work. And and while right now everybody can't see you. And you've not shown up in your full glory. And you've not put yourself on display. I'm your ambassador. And I've been put here to work the land. And to take care of your assets. And to reach out and to grow the kingdom. That's why you're here. You're not here for him just to come and say, Oop, give me back what's mine, God. Thank you. Let's go. No, you're spreading and growing the kingdom of God right now. And you're a citizen of heaven. And that doesn't mean that you're just... When you say you're longing for Jesus Christ, you're longing for Him to be completely revealed. That's who we want to see. That's who we long for. We're not looking, oh, can I just see a street of gold or a building? No. It's because of Jesus. Trust me. If you walked on a street of gold and Jesus wasn't there, you wouldn't care. You'd say, well, this is cool. But He's the one that saved you. He's the one that gave you reason to live. He's the one that burned in you hope and desire. And we eagerly await the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like His glorious body. We are awaiting Jesus Christ, but while we wait, we work. So flipping back here over to Philippians chapter 1, He tells them, He says, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When our King returns. When he says it is completely done. You see, he's already procured your salvation. Jesus is not losing this battle. You're spreading the kingdom. He, you, you, you keep living for Jesus, you're going to be transformed. Heaven is your home. You don't have to worry about, can I still attain that? Keep living for Him. Keep staying in Him. Now, if you choose to step outside of this, you want to go back and embrace sin? Yes, you need to be careful. You need to make sure of your, your calling an election, sure. You need to do that. You need to be careful. You don't want to be so arrogant and think, oh, I got everything. You need to study. You need to get into the book. You need to hear teaching. You need to apply principles. I've been emphasizing to my kids lately. When Paul wrote, and he told that he would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And then he wrote to women and he talked about their adornment. I'm telling them, yeah, Paul was writing to some people here that need some guys that needed to pray. And he was writing to some women that needed to adjust their clothing. 
That doesn't mean, guys, that you get to put on adornment. I'm like, <laughs> that still applies. And I turn to my daughters and I say, that doesn't mean that you don't have to pray. See, some of you want to take Scripture and dissect it the other way. And think that, well, do I really need to do this? And some of you want to, you need to study it, get into it, understand its context, understand what's being written, and then realize. So, so Queen Esther, Mordecai came along, and he said to her, if you don't say something, your, your silence is complying with what your husband's going to do. But he reached back into Old Testament Scripture that was written to men that said if you don't say something when the, your, your wife or your, your new wife makes a vow or your daughter makes a vow, your silence is complying. And Mordecai said just because he put man in there doesn't mean, Esther, that you get off on this. And so guys, just because you're like, wow, so, so he wrote to girls about adornment here. Can I go ahead and get some studs put in my ear? No! And ladies, you're supposed to pray. And we got enough Scripture for these things. But you need to get into the Word and be hungry. Don't try to see what you can get away with. See what you can become. You're a citizen of heaven. You, you fall under His authority. And he's, he's set up shop here. And He's put you here. And, and so in Philippi, there was people who didn't like the Roman government. They didn't want them there. But if things got out of hand, do you know what the Roman government was going to do? Take everybody back to Rome? Just like Jesus is coming back for you, so Rome was going to show up. And Rome was going to take care of the enemies. And Rome was going to put down the, 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 the uprising. And so just like here in our parable, and, and we could go deeper today, but the, the king is going to return. And the enemies will be taken care of. So, go ahead and live Jesus. Live Jesus. So he tells them, he says, he being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And, and even as it is meet for me to think on this of you, all because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and in defense of the confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. Partakers of my grace. And he says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray. So what is he doing here now? He's saying he's going to complete a work in you. He's going to do it. I'm confident that he's going to finish it. That he's going to perform it. And I like the King James there of how that, that perform. And, and, I, and I get the whole complete part and it's in my title. So I hope I get it. That he's going to finish it. But the reason I also like the word perform is because it really brings out that ongoingness and that we have the spirit of Jesus Christ in us and that he's working in us and he's doing his work. And so then Paul tells them that he's prays for them. So he says he's going to complete this work and he says, and this I pray that your love may abound. So there's like a couple things here. One, he says, what does he pray for when he talks to them that God's going to complete? That your love may abound. Yet more and more, let's pause a second, your love may abound. Now, Manny, when I think of love, 
my kids come up and they give me a big hug. I feel this warm fuzziness when they say, I love you, Dad. And when I walk over to you and I hit you in the shoulder, maybe I give you a hug and I say, I love you, Manny. I love you, man. Man, Manny. <laughs> um, and I say that to you. You know, I'm, I'm feeling you're my brother. So I think of love and I think of feelings. And so some of you, we tell you, you need to love people. And you're like, I don't feel anything there except I'm mad. Anybody relate to that a little bit? So when he prays that your love may abound, he says, what does he say? In knowledge and in all judgment. And that judgment here is like wisdom, understanding. Well, I would abound in knowledge and wisdom. My love may abound in knowledge and wisdom. See, when you understand where somebody's at, you have knowledge, and then you have wisdom to say, here's how it should be handled. Just because you know some things that they should know or some things that you're like, doesn't mean you should say them. Okay? Just because you know that somebody is going through a struggle doesn't mean it's your job to stand up and tell it to the world. That's wisdom. How do you approach the problem? What do you say to win a brother back? How, how do you reach in? You can either say to them, I notice that you've been struggling and you've been doing a lot of things wrong and that's going to send you to hell. Sustaina, I could just say that to you, right? I'm not saying that to you, please. Or I could say, Sister Dana, I know life's been down for you. And I know that you're being pulled on. And I see that. But I want you to keep pressing on. Because we're going to come out of this. And you're going to be tempted to be pulled this way. And, and the enemy, and maybe he's even got you a few times to go this way. But God's grace is still for you. And so if you'll just turn back, you're going to get that joy back. And, and, and you may go through some struggles here. But I'm standing with you. And I've gone through struggles. And you know, sometimes I had to come back and I had to repent, Sister Sister Dana, but, but he forgives and he's there. And, and so we're coming back to this. And there's purpose and there's hope in you. And he wants to use you. So what am I doing there? I'm seeing what God sees in you. And I'm pulling you towards him instead of driving you away. And you, you saying, and sometimes there's a place where there's, there's a hard tongue lashing correction that goes on. There, there, that, there is a place. But you've got to find out where you're at. And use the wisdom of God. And when you have love and knowledge and wisdom, when somebody has hurt you, so, so Sister Dana, I'm not saying you hurt me, but she comes in and she just shreds me up one side and down the other. And I'm like, whoa! You can do that. And then I just realize God gives me some knowledge and He gives me some wisdom. And then He says, hey Lucas, they were parting my garments. They beat me. And yet I didn't want to pass judgment on them. I wanted to forgive them. Why I understood where they were coming from. Maybe you've been going through struggle and hard time. And now you feel angry towards the church. And, and you're looking at me. And you're like, you were supposed to preach this. And so you're coming at me. But when I have that, I can come back and say, Oh God, thank you for giving me insight. Now how can I love in return? I remember once I had to pass some bad news on to somebody. Something that the church had done. They threw down their, their, their gardening tools, just threw them on the ground. They cussed me out up one side and down the other. It's about their grandbabies and what they just went through. 
And yet I knew this person has got goodness in them. And you know what? Those grandbabies kept coming to church. And God filled them with the Holy Ghost. But if I would have said, you know what? I gave you some bad news today, but you had no right to do that to me. And you, and you told me to get out of here, so I'm leaving. Or if I could see the picture, the situation, knowledge and wisdom. I pray that your love would grow in knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom. And then he goes on. And he says that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ. What is that, what is that telling us here? It's telling us to do right. To do right. In, in, in the NIV it says, For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. We have just a few minutes left here today. But what is Paul saying? I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would have love and knowledge and, with knowledge and wisdom, that it would grow. And I'm praying that you would do the right thing in a world that's pressuring you to do wrong. We started out with that when we were talking about persecution and struggle. That you may live pure and blameless lives. You've got to do what matters. You've got to do... You think maybe your voting doesn't matter? Your voting matters. And that's a challenge, trust me. But you can't go out in this world and, and endorse corruption and murder. And I don't know how you get to navigate every single ballot out there. That's a challenge. There's, there's stuff all around. But what you do you say, man, you made it political today, Lucas. I'm telling you, every place you go, how you respond on the job, how, what, what you do everywhere you're at, it matters. It matters. Paul was writing to slaves, and he told them that they had to do what their master said. I, I told this to my kids the other day. I said, well, where, how do we apply this to our lives? I have a boss. And you're like, well, I don't have to do what the boss told me to do. You know what? They are your boss. And if there's something grossly in air there, then you're going to have to figure out how to work through it. But you don't just get to tell your boss off. You're being Jesus there. And you may turn them to Jesus Christ. And they may come back and say, you know what, I acted wrongly. I'm not saying you're in a math that you've got to be completely walked on. Come see me. There's some wisdom that we can, can deal with in these situations. But you've got to do right. You've got to be Jesus here. You've got to have right language when they have wrong language. What's going to happen until the glory and be, see, without offense until the day of Jesus Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ until the glory, unto the glory and praise of God. And as we bring this here to a close, Jesus is coming back. And what do you get to reap? You get to reap that his peace is with you in trouble. You get to reap his salvation his glorious appearing. You get to reap that your sins are washed. Now again, you can step out of that if you so choose, but you get to reap the rewards of his righteousness. And you also get to reap, and if we could stand to our feet, right living. Righteousness is a broad thing here because it means his salvation. It means his hope. It means the washing of your sins. It also means that when you fit under him, 
You get to live right. And you don't have to come to church on Sunday morning with a hangover. And you don't have to have your marriage destroyed because you lived a lifestyle that wasn't biblical. No. You get to reap all sorts of benefits. And he's completing a work in you. So I ask you to press on, to press forward, to keep living for God and let Him grow love in you and let Him help you to do right in this world and you will reap Jesus Christ because He is coming back. Lord Jesus, we worship You. We praise You. We give You glory and we give You honor. Hallelujah. Oh God, help us to do right, to be right, and to live right. And God, when we mess up, to come back to You. Oh God, and to, to rejoice in the fact and to take courage in the fact that we're citizens of Your kingdom and we live by Your rules and we have Your authority and Your power and, and Your grace. And we worship You and we praise You. Can we give Him a hand clap? Thank You, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus. Come back here in ten minutes and we will have worship and give glory to God in Jesus' name.